Well, greetings and salutation, my fellow Knights of the Moon. Welcome to our open spoiler discussion, our after show, if you will, of Moon Knight, episode one. Uh, it is now out. It has come. The show is now here. We are here to talk about Moon Knight, episode one, and all of its open spoilery goodness. Now, just in case the title of this show does not give it away, we are here to talk about Moon Knight in a completely open, spoiler-filled environment. So if you have not seen Moon Knight Episode 1 yet, you may want to navigate away and then come back a little bit later uh, once you have had a chance to see Moon Knight and you're not going to be spoiled by things. So we're going to talk about details in detail. Good to have you guys here. Here's how our open spoiler discussion is going to go for Moon Knight Episode 1. I'm going to talk for the first little bit here about my thoughts on the show and then we're going to spend the rest of our time taking your thoughts, comments, and questions. Now, the way you send in a comment or question for us to read off here is by using the Super Chat feature in the YouTube chat. However, if you try to do that right now, you might notice that you're not able to. That is because before we even started the show, the Super Chat's completely filled up. So, uh, a bunch of you guys have already sent in a whole ton of chats, thoughts, observations, comments about the first episode of Moon Knight. We will get to those in just a bit uh, once I talk a little bit here about my thoughts on this. So, let me get things started here by just saying this in general. I have not liked an episode one of a Disney Plus show this much since WandaVision. Like, WandaVision episode one kind of, like, that just captured the imagination. It was so different from anything else the MCU had done so far that it just totally captured my thoughts. And, like, after the episode was done, like, all week I would just be thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And all that kind of stuff. And none, while I have liked a number of the other shows that have come out, like I like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I, I like Loki. I didn't love either of those shows, but I like them. But it hasn't been until now that a first episode has come out that totally rocked my world. Like like I watched it, and as soon as the credits ended, I, I clapped my hands and go, that was awesome. And I was sitting here with Ray and my buddy Ryan and Ann last night, and that's what happened. As soon as the show ended, I like clapped my hands. I'm like, that was awesome. I loved it. And yeah, now some people are asking by understandably so. Some people are asking uh, if Rob's going to be on here. No, but I've explained this many times. We don't do our open spoiler discussions with more than one person because open spoiler discussions take a long time. And when you add a second person, it doubles the amount of time that we simply don't have. So if we get to the end of the season finale, if we get to the season finale of Moon Knight, then I will have Rob, maybe even Rob and Ray on the show once we get to the finale. But for now, it's just you and I, folks, just you and I. Anyway, so the show was incredible. One of the things that really stood out to me was the fact that this is the first Marvel thing we've seen in a while where there was no mention of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Did you guys notice that? Like, not a single mention of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I personally really like that. It, it kind of made it feel like this show was going to let us focus on this character. We we don't need to hear more about the Battle of New York, and we don't need to hear more about the blip, and we don't need to hear more about whatever... It was really nice just to get into the show and just focus on the character at hand. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure at some point... <laughs> between now and the end of uh, season one, 
I am sure there's going to be some kind of MCU reference, maybe even a couple. But it was just really nice to at least start this show by focusing on the main character, a character we had not met yet, a character we knew nothing about, and I just thought it was awesome the way they focused on him. So, again, just my overall general impressions, I thought the show was utterly fantastic. The performances were incredible. Um, Handsome Hawk was amazing. Oscar Isaac was amazing. I just thought everything about, and it felt completely cinematic, like more than any of the other Marvel shows so far. I think this show just felt like a movie. The only thing that didn't really feel completely cinematic to me was some of the CGI. Some of the CGI, like there was some CGI in this episode of Moon Knight that was quite good. Like actually there's a number of moments in this episode where the CGI was exceptional. However, there was also moments in the episode where you are reminded that they are making this on a television budget. And granted, Marvel makes their television shows with very good television budgets, but they're still television budgets, right? Like a lot of people forget, like they make a movie for $200 million. Well, John, they spent $200 million on this show. Yeah, sure, but the movie was two hours. That's $100 million an hour they're spending. The show was, if it was eight episodes long, the show was seven hours. That's like less than half that amount of money per hour. So on a per hour basis, movies have a much, 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 much higher budget. And every once in a while, even with some of the the most well-funded TV shows, we are reminded that they are doing it on a TV budget. And there were some moments, particularly with the logs falling, like that's a great scene. Don't get me wrong. The logs falling were a great scene, but like that was very CGI. Like you could just tell it was CGI. There was some of the car stuff that felt very CGI. Now, none of it took me out of the show, but I'm just saying in, in the midst of some very exceptional CGI, there was also some pretty questionable CGI, but Hey, that's the nature of doing it as a television show. And you don't have the same budget as a movie. All right. So let's start going through the episode here. Cause then I want to get over and hear from you guys. First of all, the start of this show, are you kidding me? I was that first start where we see Ethan Hawke, but we don't actually see his face, pouring himself a drink, smashing the glass, and then pouring the broken glass into his freaking shoes. And he puts the shoes on. And as I was sitting there on my couch watching this happen, I was literally going, I was recoiling, like visibly recoiling, going, ah! Ah, ah, what is he doing? Like, it was just, it was such a great way to start the show. It was just an incredible way to start the show with this total horrific recalling thing of just the dude putting glass in his own shoes. Like, to me, that was crazy. I'm seeing like a Jordan in the live chat saying that hurt my feet. Yeah, I agree. My feet hurt just looking at that. It was totally nutty. Totally nutty. And then we move on. We meet Steven, who is, by the way, such a likable character. Some of these shows, you meet the characters and they're not the most likable characters. Like, it'd still be a great show, but you don't think. I love Steven. Like, we meet Steven in the show and, like, I would want to hang out with that guy. I'd want to order some pizza and pop on a video game and hang out with this guy for. He just seems like a nice guy. 
a guy you'd want to have as a friend of yours, a guy who, who you know would would never be unkind or cruel to you. He just seems like a really sweetheart of a guy. And the way they they opened it all up with the idea of this, what the hell is going on moment? With, why is he chaining himself to his bed? Why is there sand all over? Why is he putting that tape up? I mean, obviously he's trying to keep himself from sleepwalking. He wants to see if he is sleepwalking, but like the mystery they start off with right away. And then we get into that, that uh, disassociative, uh, disassociative cognizant. I can't remember what the specific words for it are, but it's things like he's in one moment and then all of a sudden he's in another moment. And just the way they pace that out, you felt, I felt like as the, as an audience member, you could feel the confusion that Stephen would feel. You know, you were immersed in the experience Stephen was having. And the part that just broke my heart for poor Stephen the most is the part when he goes to the steakhouse and he realizes that it's two days later than he thought it was. And he blew his chance for the date with the girl. And I even love the part, like, how sweet was it when he calls her, hey, I'm at the steakhouse, steak time. And like, obviously she's completely pissed at him because in her mind, he completely stood her up and she had to eat alone. But that whole thing was so good. And it just, again, you, you feel for Steven, you like Steven, you're rooting for Steven, you feel bad, you feel empathy for Steven, they immerse you into the confusing experience of Steven, like they just did such a great job with that. Then, you know, we, we get we get to understand that he's got this background in uh, Egyptian history and all that kind of stuff, and mythology, he's got the job at the at the museum, you meet some of his co-workers, which is kind of like a sitcom setup, where whether it's his dick of a boss or the dick of a uh, uh, security guard there. Like all of it. You just can meet him. And then all of a sudden he wakes up and he's in another country. He's got this scarab. Everything unfolds. And let's talk for a second now about, we got introduced by Ethan Hawke's character in the beginning with the broken glass. But I know very, very, very little about this character, right? As soon as we meet Ethan Hawke, obviously there's a messianic kind of aura about him with the way people revere him and treat him but this whole thing about people wanting to be judged and the whole idea about the tattoo on his arm with the tilted scales and if they tilt right this is a good man if they tilt wrong the lady dies and you're being judged on things you haven't even done yet like according to him he's like when you submit yourself for judgment you're not just being judged on everything you have done up until now you're being judged on what you're going to do later on. And there's something about that to me that is completely and utterly terrifying. Like completely and utterly terrifying to me. This notion that you're going to be judged, not just on what you've done, because you can have confidence in that, right? But you're also going to be judged on anything you're going to do, something you have no idea. You have no idea if you're going to do something good or bad or whatever. And that whole thing was just so damn cool. And knowing that he was standing on broken glass just kind of added to the coolness of that whole factor, right? Mm. Then we get into the first big action sequence where he's running from Ethan Hawke's guys. 
They get into the truck. Well, even before he gets in the truck, he's running from them. Every time his life is being in danger, he blinks out. And then when he blink, blinks back in, there's dead bodies all around him. And we start to experience that whole thing that he would be going through. I thought the truck scene was absolutely hilarious. I love the truck scene. Um, right, Even that part when he wakes up and the truck is all of a sudden driving backwards. And that's when he starts to hear the voice of Khonshu in his head, which, by the way, in the live chat, let me know. Was I the only person when we first heard Khonshu's voice? Was I the only person who thought that that was J.K. Simmons? Now, come on. I'm going to put up a poll. For those of you guys watching live, right? Uh, be honest. Did you think uh, that was J.K. for just a sec? Okay, I'm going to put this up as a poll. For you guys watching live, I just put the poll up. Be honest. Be honest. When you first heard Khonshu's voice in his head, I seriously thought for a second, I understand who it was, but I seriously thought for a moment that it was J.K. Simmons. So you guys, you jump on that poll and you let me know if you thought, because I totally did. Uh, right now, uh, there's already 100 votes. 21% of you are honest, saying you thought it was J.K., and 79% of you are liars, saying you didn't think. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I was one of those people that I thought it was J.K. Simmons at first. Anyway, you start to get this great, almost a Venom symbiote, Eddie Brock kind of conversation going on, right? And it said, like, you parasite, bring, let Mark take control, right? Or stuff like that. I was completely buying it. I'm like, I don't 100% know what's going on here, but whatever it is that's going on, this is awesome. Like, this is really riveting stuff. And I was completely enjoying it. Of course, then later he gets home. Um, and then, you know, he wakes up again. He thinks it was all a dream. Then the whole thing with the fish, like what's going on with the fish? The fish must be important because the fish is in the title of the episode and he's in one of the posters. So I've got a feeling the fish is going to become very, very key. But the one fin fish is now suddenly a two fin fish. We've got to find out what's going on. And then ultimately, Ethan Hawke tracks him down at the museum. He's like, huh, you know, I thought you were lying when you said you worked at the museum. And yet here you are. And then, of course, I don't know what it's an incubus or whatever it was that came out. The dog creature starts chasing him. He has his conversation with his other personality, his first conversation with Mark. Mark says, let me take control. And this is where things get bonkers. Because this is a part I have not heard anybody talk about yet. That I haven't heard anybody talk about yet. But when he mentions that when he decides he's going to turn control over to Mark, right? As the dog creature comes busting through the door, the creature was terrifying, right? The creature was something of a nightmare, something right out of our nightmares, right? And then Mark takes control. The camera goes from in the bathroom to outside the bathroom. And we just hear crashing and banging and a sink comes flying through. And then we see the dog creature desperately trying to escape. Think about this. It was the classic scene of an innocent victim trying to run away from a monster or a creature, right? It's like the, the stereotypical Jaws thing where somebody's holding on to a surfboard. You don't see the shark under the water. But they're being pulled under, and you see their terror, the terror in their eyes, ah, trying desperately to get away from the shark that's under the water that we don't see. And this poor innocent victim is filled with terror and fear. 
But that's what we saw in the monster's eyes. As we saw just for a brief second, the dog, the dog creature, whatever it is you want to call it, whether it's a werewolf or an incubus, whatever, this creature was filled with terror and desperately trying to escape. It was desperately crawling, trying to get away. But whatever it is that was in that bathroom was not going to let it get away. It dragged it back inside as, as the, the, the creature was screaming in fear and terror. And then the camera pans around and then we get to see Moon Knight beating the life out of that creature. Beating the life out of it. And it's like, there's the monster, right? Like what better way for the show to introduce us to this notion that here's the monster. This is the thing that the creatures of the night get afraid of when they see shadows. And just with the choice of camera angles, they made me go, holy shit, I was already totally into this show. Now I'm really into this show. I just thought it was incredible. And like, I see some people saying it was a werewolf, some people saying it was a jackal, some people like, whatever it was, it was clearly meant to be a terrifying monster that ran into its terrifying monster. And that to me just gave me, as Robert would say, Ghibli's. It got me so completely excited um, that I just loved it. I'm like, where can they go with this now? Where are they going to go with this now? And of course, we didn't even talk about him finding the cell phone and making contacts. It's like, why the the accent? All the kind, all another level of the mystery to become unfolded here. How now that he's beaten up the jackal or werewolf? Now what happens? Like, listen, Handsome Hawk is still in the building. Are we going to pick up right there on episode two? Is that where we're going to pick up? I don't know. But man, I thought that was good. Oh God, I thought that was so good. So yeah, guys, listen. Uh, everybody's going to have their own different experiences with this show and whether they love the first episode, didn't love the first episode, whatever. I'm just here to tell you, man, this is the first time I've like completely fallen in love with an MCU show on Disney plus since WandaVision. And it's only one episode in, and I, I don't know, maybe the rest of the episodes will go to crap. Maybe the show will take a turn for the worse. Maybe it will. But one episode in, I'm just saying I haven't been this excited about an MCU show on Disney plus since WandaVision. I, I mean, I didn't like Hawkeye, and I liked Loki, but I didn't love it. I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I didn't love it. I mean, I haven't been this revved up for a show in a long time, and who thought? Who would have thought it would be Moon Knight? Who would have thought it would be Moon Knight? Yeah, I'm very, very excited for it. So I'll tell you what, guys. Let's now spend the rest of our time taking your thoughts and questions that you guys have been sending in. Now, by the way, I'm going to let you guys know um, that I, some of the questions I did a town hall meeting a little bit earlier today with our channel members. And unfortunately, because super chats were open, some of the questions they sent in during our town hall meeting might be mixed in with these questions here. So forgive me uh, that I might have to skip around a little bit to make sure we just get to the, the ones about uh, moon Knight. but let's get in here and see what you guys have to say. All right. Ryan Loner writes, what can I say, but what the fish? So if Steven is just uh, a personality in Mark's head, who is this person he thinks is his mother? You know what? Here's an interesting thing. You notice in the episode, Steven never actually talked to his mother. 
Stephen was always leaving messages for his mother. Now listen, Stephen may be the actual guy and maybe Mark is the alternate personality and and whatever. I'm just saying, I realized by the end of the episode, huh, Stephen never actually talked to his mother. What if there is no Stephen's mother? He was just always leaving messages. You remember he even said at the end of the first guy, oh, maybe I'll get you next time. So maybe there is no mother. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying there's not. I'm just throwing that out there. All right, Orange Hand writes, I love Conchu's personality like a cranky old man. Yeah, again, I got vibes of Venom with Venom and uh, uh, why am I freezing on the name and, and Eddie. That I, got, I just had a little bit of vibes of that, and I mean that in absolutely the best way possible. All right, next up, Aiden Foley writes, uh, oh, that was from our earlier thing. Uh, Jay Master writes, uh, that was also from our earlier thing. Uh, the Sock writes, one criticism is that I wish that it would have had shown the action by the third time he switched to Mark. Other than that, fantastic first episode. Well, I'm, I'm going to disagree, Sock, because I think they were saving it up to give us the reveal of Moon Because that would have been revealing Moon Knight now halfway through the first episode. And I love the way they revealed the monster's monster. That's how I'll refer to Moon Knight now. The monster's monster. Like all the monsters out there, the monster in their nightmares is Moon Knight. And so the way they did the reveal of the monster's monster, I think that was totally worth it. And so uh, I totally see where you're coming from on that sock. I really do. I'm just saying for me personally, I think I like the way they decided to do it. But that's just me. All right. Next up. Uh, let's see. Ishmael Montoya writes. Hey, John, I absolutely loved this show, my top MCU show. Uh, the show, even over WandaVision. Does Rob have an idea where this is going? No. You know, Rob and I were even talking about this after the John Campus show today. He has no idea where they're going with this. And that's a good thing. You know, he's actually being kept on his toes for it. I'm not ready to say I like this more than WandaVision. We've had one episode, right? We've had one episode. And this could go bad very fast. And WandaVision to me is a very, very high benchmark so i'm not ready at all to say it's as good as wandavision but i i will say i haven't been this excited about a marvel show after one episode as i was with wandavision and and that's a that's i mean that is very very high praise all right orange hand writes i wonder how common it is in real life for those with uh, did to be aware of other identities or whether they can even communicate with each with each other i'll tell you what i know nothing about the the condition at all I know absolutely nothing about the condition. And I'm actually hoping that watching this Marvel comic book show that I actually learn a little bit of something through. I, I hope as we go further into the show, Orange Hand, that they actually talk a little bit more about it so we can see what uh, we can we can get a better idea about what Steven slash Mark is actually dealing with. All right. Next up, uh, Ismail Montoya writes, by the way, greetings from Cancun. Well, greeting, Ismail. Uh, you know what's better than the beach in Cancun? Chilling with the John Campia show at the beach in Cancun. Well, thank you so much, Ismail. Appreciate that. And I'm glad you're able to join today uh okay uh abraham was from the earlier show uh okay ryan loner ripes i'm getting a surprisingly heavy venom vibe i was just saying that dude uh from the way f murray abrams talks to steven also plenty of perfect blue in there i'm not quite sure what the perfect blue reference is but yeah i as soon as we started hearing Konshu talking to steven and the like the insults and everything too i totally got the venom vibe 
Totally did. Now, whether they stick with that as we move forward, I don't know. But I did get the Venom vibe. And again, I mean that in a good way. I actually quite enjoyed that. Uh, our friend Angela Dashner. Oh, she wrote that in a little bit earlier for the earlier stream. Thank you again, Angela. Um, okay, Jay Master. That was from what he wrote in earlier for the show. Uh, uh, Ricky, though, uh, was also from the earlier show. Uh, Steel Smith was right. Uh, Steel Smith writes. Loved it. Didn't feel like 46 minutes. So happy for Rob. Steven's mannerisms were hilarious to me. Also felt so bad for Steven during the steak scene. I'm telling you what, just the way he said steak time, like hopeful and cautious and trying to be, oh God, man, I love that scene. And I felt so bad for him. And yeah, listen though, one thing that I do not like about these Disney Plus shows, number one, they're far, there's far too few of them. The number of episodes, of just six episodes is not a legitimate season of television. I'm sorry. It's just not. I don't care whatever excuse you try to make for them to try to justify it. Six episodes is not long enough. The other thing that really frustrates me about them is that they tell you the runtime, right? But the runtime includes the credits and that's fine. But these Disney Plus show credits are like seven minutes long. And so when you read like 42 minutes, it's really 35 minutes. You know what I mean? And I find that frustrating. I really do. Maybe I should. Maybe it's a little thing to be annoyed at, but I do find it a bit frustrating. Uh, okay. Next up, we got uh, uh, Cardio. That was from the earlier thing. So is Rick Theo. Uh, Johnny Weiner writes, with a voice going off in his head, I'm kind of expecting Venom. Again, another person who's seeing the Venom uh, connection. I'm kind of expecting Venom to join the conversation. Moon God, the idiot is back. Venom, you are a loser, pussy. <laughs> that would be, oh my God. Imagine if they did that kind of crossover where the Venom symbiote connects, connect, connects himself to Steven as well. That would be an awesome argument to hear in his head. All right. Uh, King Tantic. Oh, that was from earlier. Uh, Ian Simon. Uh, that was also from earlier. Uh, let's see. Casey Mack was from earlier. Wiley was from er earlier. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, CJ Rebirth writes, that steak date scene made me feel so sorry for him. I totally agree, man. I also went, what the fuck, at those blink of an eye uh, fight scenes. Give me more. Dude, again, the brilliance to me of those moments and those scenes was the very fact that it made me feel the confusion and disorientation as a viewer that Stephen himself must have been experiencing in those moments. So the way they did it was frantic and chaotic. And personally, I thought it totally worked. I thought it totally worked. I love the way they did that. Uh, all right, Sam Fisher writes, I love that the dog runs away scared before Moon Knight drags it back to beat the crap. Again, to me, that's amazing because that jackal or werewolf, right? It's the thing dragging horrified people into the room. But not now. Now the monster's monster is here. Now Moon Knight is here. The object of monster's nightmares is here. And instead of being the one dragging his helpless victims into the room, he's the one being helplessly dragged into the room by the monster's monster. I love that scene so much, Sam. All right. Uh, let's see. Amos Seltz was from earlier. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, poor Steven and the missing two days with the date. You just, when he realizes it's two days later than he thinks it is, oh my God, your heart just breaks for the dude. 
I mean, my heart was breaking for him at that point because the show had done such a good idea making you like Steven and seeing how sweet of a guy he really is. And you're cheering for him to, to have a great date with this girl. And then when you realize he stood her up by two days, dude, my heart broke for him. Uh, okay. My comic was from earlier. Um, okay. Uh, Julian Mott writes, John, you have to come to the new Bill Stadium once it's built. Going to be dope. I'm sure it is. But we are. And I love the Bills, but we are here to talk about Moon Knight right now, Julian. Uh, Sam Fisher writes, uh, I love the glass and the sandals sounding like spurs. Dude, The I you know how I talk sometimes about One of the best moments in A Quiet Place is not when the monsters are tearing people apart, but it's when the wife is walking down the stairs. Emily Blunt is walking down the stairs, right? And then as the audience, we see the rusty nail sticking up out of the stairs, and we know she's about to step on it. We're like, ah! I I just totally had that feeling every time I would see him walking. All I could think about was that there was broken glass in his shoe. All right, um... Let's see. James Wheeler writes, as a person with autism, I really appreciate your consistency and excellence. Oh, thank you so much, James. It's kind of you to say, man. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for being here and thank you for the kind words, man. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Greg Scott Bailey writes, John, love where things are going. Any chance at a one? Oh, this must have been for earlier, but you know what? I don't don't think I read it earlier. Any chance at a once a month tech show from your perspective, maybe roll it into a new getting started series for members. You know what? Maybe. I, I... I really do like doing tech videos. I am pretty good. Um, There's a lot of things I'm not good at. I'm pretty damn good at streaming tech. Um, And so, yeah, maybe like a once a month special, just talking about some of the great tech in the world. That might not be a bad idea. All right, anyway, Sam Fisher writes, "Uh, I love that the show is treating Moon Knight and Mark as a super-powered evil side. If you know what that is, I hope you do because I don't know how to describe it. No, again, he's... What we're seeing right now is he is the monster's monster, right? He's the thing that goes bump in the night. As uh, they would say in Breaking Bad, I'm the one who knocks. That That's that's Moon Knight. Moon Knight is the one who knocks. And I kind of like the way they're approaching that. Okay, Jonathan Bunch writes, uh, I like what I'm seeing so far, but the CGI was poor in some scenes. I don't disagree. Oscar's acting is amazing as always. Looking forward to more. Yeah, you know what? That's really where, in a lot of these, I think, Marvel TV shows, that's where you're going to feel the fact that these TV shows, on a per-hour basis, have less than half the budget of what the movies do. You know, a scene in a in a museum with a few actors and extras, that's going to feel just like the movies if they shoot it right. A scene of them driving in a car, that's going to feel just like the movies if they shoot it right. It's when you get into the CGI heavy stuff, that is where you're going to start to be able to pick out, oh, right, they had less than half the budget for this on a per hour basis than what an actual movie does. And and that's where you're going to be able to pick it out. And again, I thought some of the CGI was quite good, but some of it was noticeably sub-movie standard, and it reminds you, oh yeah, that's right, we're watching a TV show. All right, Sam Fisher writes, I know it looks like I'm spending uh, these in all, let me see. I know it looks like I'm sending these in all at once, but I promise I'm not. I'm just, no one else is super chatting. Well, no, we, we've, we're already filled up on our super chats, so you weren't alone, Sam. I guarantee you, you weren't alone. All right. Ramon Guerrero writes and sends in like a $20 super chat. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that very much. Um, uh, oh, this, 
this was actually from the earlier show. I will read it. This is from the earlier stream we did for the members. Uh, love the show and the atmosphere, you guys. Uh, you guys are great together. You always choose good talent to work with. Been with you since the closet days. Patreon member, and the show is part of my everyday routine. Keep up the great work. Thank you again for that, Ram. I appreciate that, man. All right, Sam Fisher writes, Go back to sleep, worm. No, the idiot's back. Conchu is the best. Again, you parasite. I, I laughed my guts out when he called him a parasite because it's actually very descriptive of kind of what he is, right? Uh, Sam also writes, I love that even as Steven, uh, he has a white hood. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, the jacket he was wearing, the hood he had was white. I don't know if that was intentional and symbolic or not. Maybe it was. I'm not sure. That's a good observation, Sam. All right. Uh, Marie, that was from earlier. Abraham was for earlier. Um, ben was from earlier. Billy uh, was from earlier. Okay, Sam writes, uh, where would you set the over-under that the avatar that betrayed Amit is Khonshu? Oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. You know what? You're probably right. That's probably what's going to set Moon Knight against Handsome Hawk was the fact that maybe it was Khonshu that was the one that betrayed uh, Amit. I, you know, maybe not, but that's a really good theory. I didn't even think about that, and I totally should have thought about that. That's a good one to bring up, man. All right, Sam Fisher writes again. Because Avatar The Last Airbender was a formative series for me, I was so chuffed that it was referenced in this show, but it's not really an anime. Well, that's true. I mean, I picked up a couple of really kind of cool references in the episode, and I remember we would laugh about them when they come up, but that was another one that they did. All right, Jesse Keller writes. Uh, oh, Jesse Keller was from earlier. Sam Fisher writes, I honestly thought Steven slash Mark was going to need the Scarab to activate the Moon Knight persona, but I was wrong. Yeah, I obviously the Scarab... If you watch the credits, the scarab is clearly the MacGuffin of the show, right? That that scarab is going to be the MacGuffin of the series. But I don't think it has anything to do with Moon Knight. I think it has more to do with Ethan Hawke and Amit. I think that's where the real connection is. And I think Moon Knight needed to get away from them. Maybe Conchie wants to make sure that she doesn't have possession of it or something like that. But yeah, that is clearly going to be the, um, uh, that's going to be the MacGuffin here. Okay. Where are we at? Um, let's see. Okay. Sam Fisher writes, where was the steak timeline? I must've missed it. It was when he was at the steakhouse waiting for his date. And then he finally called her. That's when he was like steak time. I love that. Anyway. Um, uh, Wiley was from earlier. Um, where it says, uh, Derek was from earlier. Uh, Jay Burr was from earlier. That was from earlier. Sam Fisher again. Uh, if this show doesn't have a line about someone owing Mark money, I swear to Conshu. I don't know what that's a reference to. I don't know. Sorry, Sam. I don't know what you're referencing there. Uh, let's see. Um, that was from earlier. That was from earlier. Uh, that was from earlier. That was from earlier. That was from earlier. Again, sorry about the mix-up on this, guys. This was my fault. I'll make sure that doesn't happen again in the future. Uh, let's see. Benjamin Tam writes, Excellent start. Great music for opening A Man Without Love by Engelbert Humperdinck. Everybody, a lot of people were introduced to Engelbert Humperdinck for the very first time thanks to this show. I uh, wonder if they will have different song for each week. I have a feeling they will. I have a feeling they will. 
I think they're going to, I think every, I got a feeling, I don't know this, but I have a feeling every episode is going to have like a feature song in it. That's something like that. So we'll see if that's true or not as we move forward. Uh, let's see. Ari Fantas writes, everything about ancient Egypt and Egyptian mythology, I completely ate up. Can't wait for more. Oscar was born for this role. I agree, Ari. And you know what it did for me? And maybe nobody else will have, will like connect with this. It actually gave it a little bit of an Indiana Jones feel. Like whenever they start talking about the the Egyptian mythology, and maybe I was the only one who felt this way, but I totally got a little bit of an Indiana Jones vibe to it. And again, I totally mean that in the best of ways. Like I, I was eating that stuff up too, man. I hope they do more of it as the series goes on. All right. Brandon Townsell writes, um, oh, that was from earlier. Uh, Adam was from earlier. That was from earlier. That was from earlier. Uh, that was from earlier. Uh, earlier, earlier. Ah, here we go. Elif. <laughs> Elif writes, I winced and had to look away at the opening scene. Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I completely recoiled. I completely recoiled. Like the moment, like I, I was sitting there wondering, why is he breaking the glass? Like, what's he going to do with the glass? As soon as I realized he was pouring it into his shoes, I was like, no, 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 no. And then as he starts to slip his foot in, I'm like, I physically recoil on the couch i kid you not all right uh let's see orange hand writes the way the old lady knocked on her friend's door seemed like she was eager to get away from steven does she know something's up or am i overthinking oh no i just think you're overthinking um it was like how would you feel if you walked into an elevator and there was some guy on the floor going in the corner and then was acting all shifty um so yeah i i think you were or i don't think she knew anything at all i think she just saw some guy she thought was a psychopath in the elevator acting really really shady i think that's probably what it was all right uh let's see where are we at here uh reels and heels was from earlier uh j master was from earlier all right elif uh Beirazli writes was steven really talking to his mother see i i don't think so uh, on the phone, is she real or a voice in his head or maybe a character that we might meet in a future episode or will it remain a mystery like what happened with the other goldfish? Well, and by the way, Elif sent in like a $20 super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Elif. My theory is this. Uh, first of all, I don't think we ever heard him talking to his mom. I think every time he was on the phone with his mom, he was talking to an answering machine, Right. Because remember the first thing, okay, I'll try to catch you next time and, and whatever. So I, I'm i not saying there isn't a mom. I'm just saying I wonder if there's actually a mom. I just wonder if there's actually, I'm not so sure there is, to be honest with you, dude. I, I'm really not so sure there is. All right. A. Marcellus writes, uh, oh, that was from earlier. Um, uh, James Wheeler also already wrote in this person with Austin. Thank you for the consistency. Thank you, James. I appreciate that, man. Uh, Moki Park Oh, that was from earlier. Jordan was from earlier. Abraham was from earlier. Okay, here we go. Elif writes in again. I'm not familiar with Moon Knight, but I really enjoyed the first episode. I loved Oscar Isaac. All right, listen. We have not taken any time here to give some well-deserved love to Oscar Isaac and the way he played this role. Oscar Isaac was fantastic in this episode. Like, absolutely fantastic. I love the way he portrayed Stephen. I loved his mannerisms. I loved his movements. When he was talking to his co-workers, when he was talking to himself, when he was talking to the lady in the elevator, when he was talking to Kanshu. Like, 
I just loved it. When he was in that other country and trying to figure out why his life was in danger. Like, he just played this so great. And I cannot wait to see, as this show expands, to see him playing the other characters as well. Help me out in the live chat, guys. What's the name of that show? Um, Something Black, where the girl played like 16 different versions of herself. It's called Something Black, and I'm, I'm freezing on a little bit. But that is kind of the feeling I was getting. I think that's kind of, we're going to get a little bit. Orphan Black, I think it's called. Okay, Orphan Black. Um, I, I think that's where we're going to get a little bit of a vibe from. I think we're going to get a little bit of a vibe and of Orphan Black where he's playing. And, and thank you to people in the live chat who are also throwing in Orphan Black. Duckman and Arun and uh, uh, Mad Villainy is sending in Orphan Black, as is uh, Petrie. So, yeah, I think, at least I'm hoping we get a little bit of an Orphan Black vibe a little bit later on. We get to see the personalities interact with each other and really get to see Oscar Isaac flex his creative muscles a little bit. I think that'll be a lot of fun. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, next up. Sean Porter writes, the goldfish is Mephisto. You knew at some point Mephisto had to come into play, right? Like at some point Mephisto had to come into play. All right. Um, let's see. And Reels and Heels is from earlier. Volatile Blizzard. All right. Volatile Blizzard writes. I love that username. Uh, just throwing it out there that Oscar Isaac is the first uh, Guatemalan actor to play a major hero uh, or even character in the MCU. Good Guatemalan kid. I'll, I'll be honest with you right straight up. I didn't even realize he was Guatemalan. I didn't know that about Oscar. I, I didn't know his, his personal background. I just know he's a damn great actor. And I feel your pride, man, because you know me. Whenever there's a Canadian actor in something, I'm always like, there's a good Canadian kid. So good on you and good on Oscar Isaac, a good Guatemalan kid, for being the first actor to lead a superhero property in the modern superhero age. And thanks for bringing that up, Volatile. All right. Uh, Daryl Best Wadley writes, I wonder why Hawk was walking on glass. I love the episode. I really wish they would have released the first two episodes. I mean, I agree. But to be honest with you, I'm okay that they didn't. This first episode was fantastic. And the the cliffhanger at the end of the first half episode was great. And the reality is... I love having shows that we love, whether it's like Mandalorian or WandaVision or whatever. I love having these shows that we can talk about for six, seven, eight weeks long. And considering that this episode was really, or this series is only six episodes long, then if they had done two episodes back to back, then we'd only have four more weeks of Moon Knight. And I, for one, am kind of glad that we get to do this and talk about it and speculate and celebrate this show for as many weeks as we can. But I totally feel you. I totally feel you where you're coming from on that. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. Elif writes. Uh, Steven with a V can't catch a break. I felt bad for him sitting there ordering a steak. You know what you reminded me of a little bit? reminded me a little bit of Donald Glover in Atlanta season two. We've been talking about Atlanta late recently because Atlanta season three just launched again, but for Steven in one episode, just like everything that happens to Donald Glover's character in Atlanta season two, is like, man, this dude cannot catch a break. Right. And I was getting a little bit of that feeling uh, for him as well in this Elif. All right. Next up. 
Um, okay, Marie Seifring writes, Stephen leaving all these voicemails for his mom, who never answers the phone nor calls back, gives me Alfred Hitchcock kind of vibes. Just how dark is this going to get? Thanks. Yeah, see, again, I don't want to make any definitive statements here, right? Because who knows what the case is? But I tend to believe a little bit that there is no mom. That Stephen is a made-up personality who has false memories of his own life, like having a mom and whatever. Again, we may meet Stephen's mom in the next episode and throw that theory right out the window. I mean, absolutely that could happen. But I got to say, Marie, I am when I realized that he was talking to a voice machine, I started wondering, you know, what if Mark's the real guy? Or hell, what if there's another personality that's the real guy? I mean, I, I don't know, but I have a feeling the mom's not real. Could totally be wrong about that. I'm not willing to put any money on it. But, you know, we'll see what happens as we move forward. All right. Elif writes, the action scenes were unique. I loved how Steven kept waking up mid-action. It was a combo of action and comedy. Listen, I, I completely agree because every time he would blank out, I'm like, okay, what's he going to wake up in? Like, what situation is he going to wake up in? Like, in what way is he totally screwed? That, like, And I loved the time when he blinked and woke up and now the car is going backwards. The truck is driving backwards on the road. And like somebody wrote in a little bit earlier saying they kind of wished we got to see Mark in action, taking everybody out. But I got to tell you, for me, these action sequences, I was loving that him, something life-threatening was happening. The gun gets pointed at him. He blinks out. And I'm like, oh, what's he going to wake up in? And what, like, how crazy is, is his situation going to be as he opens his eyes again? And I kind of really like that, to be honest with you, Elif. Anyway, uh, thanks for bringing that up. All right. Casey Mack writes, uh, I won't be here during the show uh, because I'm about to go see Everything Everywhere All at Once. Good choice, man. That movie is absolutely awesome. If you haven't seen Everything Everywhere All at Once, go see it. It's fantastic. Anyway, uh, but I wanted to get my two cents in. Overall, I thought this episode was fantastic. Even though I kind of wish we would have gotten two episodes because I wanted to see more of Moon Knight. That, however, didn't make me not like the episode because I thought Oscar Isaac was great and I cannot wait to see what happens next. Probably one of the best Marvel pilots next to WandaVision. I agree. I completely agree. And see, here's the thing, too. If if we hadn't gotten that ending to this episode with the werewolf or the jackal being dragged back into the room by Moon Knight and having the snot kicked out of him, and we got our first look at Moon Knight, like if we didn't get that last scene, I too would probably be feeling like, man, they should have shown us the second episode. Like, let's say if episode one just ended with Mark going into the bathroom and locking the door, and then that was it. Credits roll. Like camera pushes in slowly on the door as the door is being hammered and starting to dent. And then the camera turns back to Steven's face looking scared. And then the camera cuts back to the door being beaten, 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 beaten. And then the screen goes black and credits roll. If that's how episode one ended, I, I might be a little bit more inclined to agree that I wish they would have shown a second episode. But by showing that last minute, with the jackal getting the shit kicked out of it and it's looking terrified and trying to run away, but Moon Knight drags it back into the bathroom and continues to beat the shit out of it. And then he turns and we see Moon Knight's face. To me, that was a chef's kiss. Perfect ending to episode one. 
I thought that was a perfect first episode ending. I really, really did. And I felt very satisfied. Like, yeah, chomping at the bit for sure to see the next episode. Absolutely. But it was also a very satisfying feeling at the end. And uh, now we get to buzz about it all week until the next week and the next episode comes. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Casey. Next up, uh, Marie Seifring writes, uh, For the other Marvel shows, I obviously went in with some affection for the characters I knew well. For a character I knew nothing about, this was a great introduction to pull you in. Thanks. And Marie, I could not agree with you more. Because, listen, when we go into WandaVision, we know Wanda. And we know Vision. And we already like them. And all we got to do is get introduced to whatever situation or context that they're in. When we go into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we know Winter Soldier. We know Bucky, and we know a Falcon. When we go into Loki, we already know Loki very, very well. When we go into Hawkeye, we already know Hawkeye very, very well. We had to be introduced to a brand new character. And they faced, to me, a very difficult job of introducing this character that we instantly like. We have to become emotionally attached because we're already emotionally attached to Wanda and Loki and Falcon and Hawkeye. Like that's already there. Here you had to establish it. And again, just this infinite likability of the Steven character totally got me emotionally invested in the character. And once I'm emotionally invested in the character, now the story can, can kick in for me. You know what I mean? So I think that's a great observation, Marie. Well, well said. All right. Uh, let's see here. Ross Pitt Shark Hunter. I like that name. Writes, without a doubt, my favorite Marvel pilot since WandaVision. 100% agree with you on that. Which also played with the audience in a really fun, interesting, and weird way that completely works for the story it's telling. See, and what I like, listen, WandaVision did a better job with its mystery, right? But that's because WandaVision, I think I talked about this a little bit on the John Campion show earlier today. WandaVision especially the first few episodes, was all about mystery, right? Mystery and possibilities and theory-making. Like, that's what the whole show was. So, obviously, it did that part better than Moon Knight did. But Moon Knight wasn't just about mystery. It was about mystery and excitement and getting to know a new character and some good action. And it was just a really good, complete package. So, yeah, the WandaVision played the mystery aspect of it a little bit better, but that's never what Moon Knight was going for. Moon Knight wasn't trying to lean all the way into mystery like WandaVision was. It was trying to be a mixed bag of a few other things, and it did that really, really, really well. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Ross. Next up, uh, Casey Mack writes, F. Murray Abram is the voice for Khonshu. I hardly could have recognized that voice, but wow. I kept laughing every time he was saying the idiot is in control and wanted Mark Spector back in control. Oh, I get, I completely agree. Like I was saying a little bit earlier, when he calls Steven a parasite, I, I love that. It's like, the idiot's back or whatever it is. Again, a lot of Venom vibes, and I mean that in the best way. And I am actually very, very much looking forward to seeing more interaction, conversations, not just between Khonshu and Steven or Khonshu and Mark, but also between Mark and Steven and whatever else, like Mr. Knight and all this stuff. I cannot wait to see just that dynamic of those conversations. Because one of my favorite things about Venom, and Venom 1 and Venom 2 are awesome in my opinion, but one of my favorite things about those movies is simply the interaction, the dynamic between Eddie and the symbiote, right? That's what really works. And I really hope they lean into that a little bit more because I already like what we've seen so far. All right. 
Next up, we got John Redcorn who writes, uh, poor Steven, he just wanted to get laid, man. Not only, he just wanted to have a girlfriend. Like, you, you get the sense that this guy's never had a girlfriend. Which is fine. But when you realize that he really liked that girl, and that girl seemed to really like him, like, tell me your heart didn't break a little bit for the gun. My heart broke for him as he's sitting in that steak place. It's like, come on, give this guy a win. Give Steven a win. And, oh, dude, my heart broke for him in that. Anyway, uh, Sam Fisher writes, when they talk about Amit's avatar, uh, do they mean a human that represents her or another god? Because I thought it meant Khonshu, but I might be wrong. Listen, honestly, that is a great question, Sam, and I have no idea. Rob doesn't know either. Like, like again, this show is is a mixture of the different iterations of Moon Knight before, so we really don't know which way they're going. I think we didn't get enough information on that. I'm sure everybody's going to have a theory, and that, Sam, is an excellent question to have. But my answer to it is... Yeah, I really don't know. And you know what? By the way, uh, Jonathan Alvman in the live chat just brings up a good, a really good point. There's something that I probably overlooked is that girl, says Jonathan in the live chat, didn't like Stephen. She liked Mark. You know what? You're probably 100% right about that. Because remember, the date was already set and Stephen had no memory of setting the date with her. So you know what? You're you're probably 100% right about that. It was it was clearly Mark she made the date with, not Steven. Still, I still want a win for Steven, and I do not apologize for that. All right. Cam K writes, Okay, I have surrendered uh, my character of Noomite. Uh, it was a failed attempt at trying to add some more imagination and fun to the show. I am sorry. No problem. It's all good. We just moved past Noomite. But listen, again, I... I, I did not know. Listen, I, I was hopeful for Moon Knight. I had hopes for it. Mainly because I really wanted Rob to like it. Because, you know, Rob has been so excited for a Moon Knight show. I was just really wanting it to be good for his sake. But also, I've been getting invested in it because I thought the trailers were really good. I like the clips that I've seen. I love Oscar Isaac. I really like Ethan Hawke. I, I've wanted to see it. But I honestly didn't know what to expect going into the first episode. Because I've gone into a lot of Marvel Disney Plus premiere episodes with high hopes and been disappointed sometimes. And it was just so, whether he's Moon Knight or Noon Might, uh, Cam, I was just so freaking relieved that it was so good. So good and so fun, and I just had a blast with it. All right, next up. Addison writes, if this keeps the momentum, I can't, I can definitely see, let me try this again. If this keeps the momentum, I can definitely see Ethan Hawke or why you just missed a W there. I can definitely see why Ethan Hawke was interested in this project. Uh, after H O S criticism of the comic book movie genre. And, and you got to remember with Ethan Hawke, this is where we as comic book movie fans can be a little sensitive. I never thought what Ethan Hawke said was all that egregious, to be honest. He, he was just asked about something, and he gave his opinion on something. It, it was no big deal. But yeah, listen, this guy, Ethan Hawke is an Academy-caliber actor, right? Who's got a lot of choices of projects he can do. 
And after seeing episode one, you're right. Just reading that opening scene with the glass in the shoe, you could totally see why a real serious actor like an Ethan Hawke would read that and go, yeah, I'd love to play that. Uh, you could totally see why. And I really liked it too. Uh, let's see. Addison writes, why? in Oh yeah. Okay. So you were correcting yourself for me. I appreciate that, Addison. Thank you for being, uh, for being uh, considerate like that. I appreciate that. All right. Fangblaze 71 writes, on the movie with the blue aliens, I love it. Me to st- me to Stephen, me too. Oh, me to Stephen, me too. I know when they mentioned Avatar, I Anne got a big kick out of that line. Anne had a pretty good laugh at that line when they mentioned Avatar. See, yeah, the movie with the blue aliens, love it. It's brilliant. That was a really, really good part. Uh, Stephen J writes, my heart breaks for Stephen after the phone call at steak time. Isaac crushes that scene. By the way, thank you. We were talking how great the scene is. Oscar Isaac makes the scene great, right? He's the one who makes the scene great because he's got to play that with the hopefulness that Stephen has with the fear of hearing bad news because he already knew there was a good chance she wasn't showing up, right? Because she was already super late in his head. She was already super late. So he has to call her and have a, a tone of super optimism, but also being totally prepared to have a spirit crushed. And all that kind of stuff. And, and he had to have all that when she answers the phone and he says, I'm just at the steak time, you know, at the steak place, steak time. Like it, the way he played it is what made the scene work as well as I thought it did. So anyway, that's just me. All right. Uh, let's see. Fang Blaze 71 writes, man, I love this episode. It is easily my favorite premiere from the MCU shows and will definitely be my favorite MCU show if every episode is as good. I'll tell you what now. Okay. That's a big if, though, Fang Blaze, because this episode was great. I don't know that we can expect every single episode to fire on all cylinders like this one did, but I will concede the point that if every single episode, and this is a tall order and it's a big if, but if every single episode of Moon Knight is of the same quality as episode one, it will rival WandaVision as my favorite Marvel MCU Disney plus show. It will rival it. It may exceed it, but again, that's a huge tall order. Let's see what actually happens. Let's get into episode two before we, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves. All right. Elif writes, I'm a total nerd and I love going to museums. I did think near the end of the show. I hope they don't break anything important. I was, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I was actually feeling like, man, I want, Like, I just want Mark to walk around the museum some more. I just want to see more of what's in this museum. I just want to see some more of the cool... Like, I would love a 15-minute scene of Stephen walking some kid through the museum, pointing out some really cool artifacts and explaining the history of the artifacts. Again, that's that little Indiana Jones in me, right? That I, I like getting that feeling of. I totally would have dug that a lot, man. All right. Andrew Poor writes... This was a really good episode. It absolutely was. Uh, the, the very first scene had me hooked while also saying, what the fuck? Those Avatar lines also killed me. Stoked for episode two. And listen, uh, let me say something here. Too many people, and I might be guilty of this myself too. People give too many shows a free pass on a bad first episode. And- Rightfully so. You go, okay, don't judge it too quickly. Just give it some time to, to build up. And, and I get that. Yes, 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 I get that. 
And sometimes shows do start slow, like Aaron's uh, Spartacus show. Like the first two and a half episodes of Spartacus, Aaron's show, is some of the worst drivel in television history, like just awful. But once you get to the end of episode, like once you get like halfway through episode three, and afterwards, it becomes one of my top three favorite shows of all time. So yes, that does happen. But we make excuses too many times for shows that start weak. You, If you're a show, your first episode should grab the audience by the throat, like Heroes episode one did, with Peter Petrelli and all that kind of stuff. Save the cheerleader, save the world, right? And it was so good to watch this and have this show just reach out from the screen, grab us by the throat and saying, you're in from episode one. I love that. I wish more TV shows were able to do that. Like just completely grab us right in the first episode. Okay. Next up, Tim Platt writes, uh, this might have been the best first episode, uh, for any Disney show plus maybe, uh, for any Disney plus show as someone unfamiliar with the character, this was the perfect introduction for me and got me intrigued for more. I was just talking about that. I completely agree. And I would not look, I really love the first episode of Mandalorian. <laughs> so, and I really love the first episode of WandaVision, but I will agree. I will put this first episode of Moon Knight right up there with the first episode of Mandalorian, first episode of WandaVision. I, I need some more time to marinate on it to decide if I think it's the best or not, but I will at least right now, Tim, concur that it is one of the best and it's right up there with those two. Because to me, that's the competition. It's WandaVision episode one and it's Mandalorian season one or Mandalorian episode one. And right now, absolutely, I put Moon Knight episode one right up there with them. All right, thanks for writing that in, man. Next up, we got Fang Blaze, 71, who writes, we need to talk about how good the score was in this episode. The music in the episode was fantastic. Uh, plus, Moon Knight's theme at the end was dope. Uh, Rob must be losing his mind right now. Rob, I was so happy to hear Rob enjoyed it so much. Because here's the reality. This show does not follow the comics. This show is very different from the comics. Now, Rob already knew that just from watching the trailers. Like he knew just from the trailers that this is going to be very, very different from the comics. So knowing it was going to be really different from the comics, and Rob is very much an original source material guy. He likes stuff to stay close to the source material if possible. So I wasn't really sure, even after I loved it, I wasn't sure how Rob would respond to it. I was really happy to hear he loved it so much. And one of the reasons was the music. The music's incredible in it both from the soundtrack song selections and the score itself. It played so well with it, and uh, I think that was absolutely one of the strengths, Fang Blaze. I'm glad you brought it up. All right, final super chat here today comes to us from Mickey Bell, who writes, the opening scene with the glass and the sandals really set the tone for the episode. You're, you know what, you're right. Not It wasn't just a great opening. It set the tone. You're right. That was uncomfortable. Completely did. Absolutely. Like... When you open a show like that, the glass in the shoe scene, when you open a show like that, it's like, I feel like I'm Leonardo DiCaprio and Django. It's like, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Like, you can't help but watch like an opening scene like that with the broken glass going in the shoe and then I'm walking on it without going, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm completely in. I'm dying to see what this show is going to do. And for me, episode one did not disappoint. And I love hearing like some uh, Lewis Berry is saying the music was great. I absolutely agree. Um, 
Uh, Elias Adamain is saying in the live chat, so I didn't need to read the comic. Yeah, apparently you do not. That's the great thing about the Marvel shows. Kevin Feige does not create a gated community. Kevin Feige doesn't make movies where you have to read the comic first if you're going to be able to understand this movie or show. No, you don't. Kevin Feige has this rule about eliminating all barriers. If you're somebody who's never read a Marvel comic or you've never seen a previous MCU thing before, Kevin Feige makes sure that their movies and shows are a great starting point no matter when you jump in. I mean, Endgame, you might want to watch Infinity War before Endgame, but honestly, with anything else in the MCU, you can make almost anything your first MCU thing that you watch, and you're good. And you're right. No, you didn't need to read the comic, man. You didn't need to read the comic. All right, guys, that'll do it for our first episode of our Moon Knight open spoiler discussion. Make sure you come back and join us again next Wednesday as we talk about episode two. I cannot wait for episode two. I am dying to get there and see it. And we will back. We will be back here to talk about it again. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those comments and questions via the super chat. Number one, because you gave us great things to discuss. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved the channel. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget, guys, to join us again tomorrow for the John Campion Show. We got an episode of Mailbag coming a little bit later tonight. Keep your guys' eyes open for that. And for now, that'll do it for me, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.